This is Broke Money Hustle. And now, here's Broke Money Hustle with Trico and Eric. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to Broke Money Hustle, the podcast for people who are trying to grow their wealth uh, with the pocket chains that they have or the stuff they found under the couch cushions. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Eric, and I am joined by my co-host, Trico. Trico, how'd the market treat you today? It was awesome. Uh, It was boring, but in a good way, kind of boring. Like, everything was in the green and i'm like all right what can i buy you know um but everything is up so i'm like well i don't want to buy nothing because everything's up right now so it was a a good day but as far as uh buying stuff it was kind of (laughs) boring i couldn't find a good deal (laughs) yeah no it's same same for me i've just kind of been holding on to everything that i've got uh did add to my uh, silver stacking over the weekend i actually got my got my mom involved we went to a little coin and stamp shop near my house and she bought some of her first physical silver coins. She was really excited. Uh, my dad's really big into like the um, the, sh- the, the, the the shtick of uh, Santa Claus and Christmas and stuff. And so they had some silver rounds that had like Christmas puppies and a snowman and a nutcracker on a little one ounce bar. So she was thrilled oh, cool. to thrilled thrilled to get those. And they gave us a great price, five dollars over spot. So we paid uh, thirty. 32 at the time for silver one ounce silver round coins. So that was that was a good get. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my wife always makes fun of me because she thinks it's just an investment, but there's something kind of addictive to it. Like I love looking at my silver coins and just uh I don't know, like the the color of it and everything. It's I, you know, it's a shiny, you know, what once you graduate from comic books and action figures and it's like yeah. precious <laughs> metals, I'll just collect them all, you know. Like <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like dividend stocks. It's like a Pokemon, you know, Pokemon yeah. for adults or dividend stocks and coins. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I, and I know your affinity for history, so you might want to check it out. It's it's on you know, Mac Avenue, mm-hmm. but um, they have a lot of older coins there, some 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 historical stuff. So it might oh, be something nice. in there you kind of like. Cool. Yeah, it's near the house, too. So I'll have to swing by there. Yeah, cool. So my portfolios were doing really well again, but unfortunately Square took a little bit of a hit. It's down 20 bucks a share from its all-time high. So it's kind of sad to see that, but uh, on the upside, Nikola doing really well. Wish I'd have bought yeah. more stocks at $30 a share. Now it's up to uh, 44 And of course, I'm always lurking around Apple because I don't have a position in Apple. And I'm like, maybe there'll be a nice dip before the split and I can get in cheap, but uh, definitely... Uh, and then I put this question out on our Twitter at Broke Money. Uh, what you guys thought of uh, waiting till after the split or uh, before the split to uh, to buy in to Apple? Uh, and the answers I got back so far was to buy before because you're going to get the momentum on the back end of the split where a lot of uh, more uh, retail investors are going to come in and see that lower price point and gobble it up, and that'll drive the price up. So that's true. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I think that's a wise wise course of action. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like if they did the split now, uh, it'd be like around what 112 a share, 112.50 a share. Yeah. And, uh, but then, like you said, everyone's gonna jump on it because they'll be like, "Oh, I can own a share for like 112 bucks." So probably the day it does the split, it's probably gonna jump up to like 130. Oh, yeah, a share. no, I missed out on a big IPO, uh, big commerce. Because uh, I really, you know, I was a little bit confused by by the Weeble interface on because I had signed up for for I tried to get alerts on this when it went live for the IPO because uh-huh. an IPO did like twenty eight dollars a share, but the app wasn't letting me me buy it for some reason. And there a lot of people were saying, "Hey, why can't why won't the app let me buy this?" And so I, I, I and I didn't look at. It. I was like, "Well, you know, these things, these IPO things, they'll they'll peak and then uh, you know kind of drop back down." And the last time I checked it, it was still like a hundred dollars a share now. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh, you know, because it's big, big commerce. It's like the biggest competitor to Shopify, and Shopify is a huge, you know, gosh, what is it like two hundred and thirty dollars a share or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's another another big uh, big ticket uh, e-commerce stock. So yeah, that was kind of like my my whole my little ins and outs of the of the weekend and and Fridays and all that. But um, anyway, we have a uh, we have an exciting guest that we're going to bring on here in just a quick second. His name is Jesse, 
He is the founder of uh, HiredVirtual.com, uh, and we're going to ask him a little bit about his experience as an entrepreneur. He's into some other things like email marketing and, uh, uh, you know, and, and and spent a lot of time, I guess, just getting his mind right to, uh, to, to shape the way he thinks and to be more of an entrepreneur and more of an, inv an investor. And, and he's into Robin Hood too. So we'll, we'll talk some stocks with him after, uh, after he tells us what's going on. Sweet. Uh, Jesse, glad to have you. Thank you for being on the program. How's it going? Are you there? Hey, uh, can you guys hear me? Yep, we can yep. hear you just fine. Yeah, there you are. You guys for a second. <laughs> right during the intro. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, thank you for the intro. Um, you know, this is my first podcast ever, but, um, you know, I'm excited to do it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've, you know, since I was younger, I always wanted to be, you know, work for myself. Um, you know, I, I, I've had plenty of jobs where I work for other people and definitely learned valuable things. But, um, you know, my mentality is I'm only on this planet once. So right. you know, why work to get someone else, you know, to make someone else rich when I can do that for myself. So, um, you know, I grew up in New York, um, Long Island, actually went to, uh, Indiana university, went to the business school there. Um, you know, did well all throughout college, definitely had my share of partying. Um, <laughs> After school, um, instead of trying to like, you know, get a really top finance job, um, you know, I was more interested in my social life at the time. So I did get a job for a large staffing company in New York City. Um, did we lose you? I think we lost you. We're not hearing anything. I wonder if we uh, lost a connection there. Those types of things can definitely happen, especially when we're trying to uh, talk across uh, vast state lines and stuff. Um, and hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get him back here here soon. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, there's like it's uh, it was interesting the way he was mentioning in the early on there is like uh, he uh, he didn't uh, didn't quite know what he was going to do. Uh, got through college. And uh, was just kind of working for you know other people. Got got himself a job there, and I, and I wonder how how prevalent that mindset is. Is like we're we're in an era now where um, you know, it, and I've said this before in the program where we're in a doer's economy, and and it's important to to, to know that you know if you're going to work if you're going to work for yourself, uh, you kind of need to get it started as early as possible. It sounds like he's got a pretty good early start because I'm. I'm sure he's younger than us, but I know for the longest time, the, the, the mindset was you get a job, you work that job forever, you save some money, you buy a house, have kids, die. You know, that was, yeah. I, guess, uh, I guess that was the American dream because that's not really taught to be an entrepreneur. And it looks like we got him back. Uh, Sorry yeah. about that, guys. It keeps on, uh, for some reason, it's, I got good Wi-Fi here, but I'm not really sure. Um, so uh, let me continue where I left off. Yes, please do. Perfect. So yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen again. So I went to work for a staffing company um, and pretty quickly realized that, you know, first off, you know, a lot of people who own staffing companies, they're some of the wealthiest people um, that you'll meet. But at the same time, I just think there's so much competition in the industry. And I just think it's very archaic and outdated. Um, you know, if you don't really know how staffing industries work, um, basically they help companies find talent and they charge them, you know, rates upward of 20% of the first year salary of each, you know, person that gets a job. Um, so it's expensive, you know, if a company hires a software engineer for a hundred thousand, it costs each company, um, you know, around 20, $25,000. Um, so I kind of saw like an opening for a market. I wanted to figure out a way how to help companies hire, um, you know, more efficiently and effectively. Um, so I actually went into business with a partner and we started organizing these career fairs around the country. Um, you know, so the way it works is we, um, we would do career fairs, you know, specifically for technology since that was the hot industry. Um, so each event we would have around 50 companies come to the event. Um, they let us know what positions they're hiring for. We discovered a few resources, um, you know, and tools. And we also worked with recruiters in each city to bring in these candidates. Um, so the companies loved it because rather than paying, you know, thousands of dollars for, 
you know, to hire someone, um, you know, for five ninety nine or six ninety nine, they were able to, you know, be alongside the other top brands in their city, and then hopefully hire, you know, multiple people. Um, so that business, you know, took off pretty quickly. Um, I was doing that for like four or five years, um, you know, probably averaging around thirty events per year, like fifty companies each event. Um, a lot of it's marketing, so you know, social media. Um, I would say the number one way that we attracted companies to our service was email marketing. So we were, you know, sourcing emails, you know, putting them into our constant contact. We were messaging people on LinkedIn. We were basically, you know, using whatever tools we could. Um, and then eventually, you know, the companies loved coming to our events. So we had a lot of, you know, when we would do a city the next year, we already had a lot of past clients. So, um, you know, I was definitely happy. I took the, uh, took the risk and started my own business. Um, and then, so I was doing that for five, six years and then, you know, the, the coronavirus happened. Um, and obviously, you know, for my business, that's, you know, that's just like a, you know, huge. So we weren't able to do any, um, in-person events, obviously. So we had to make a quick pivot, um, which is where hired virtual comes in. Um, so we basically developed our own software that allows candidates to select 10 minute time slots with each company. And basically, um, you know, they click whatever company they're interested in and they could just select a time slot and it's fully integrated with Zoom. So, you know, it's automated. Um, you know, that took some time. Um, so I guess what I want to say is, um, you know, these, when this first happened, I was immediately stressed. I thought the business was done, but, um, you know, during this time period, I've really been working on my mindset and just, you know, how I could be most efficient and how I could feel the best. Um, and I, you know, so I, I'll basically tell you guys, you know, some things that really helped me and that kind of, you know, gave me the faith to switch over to hired virtual. And, um, you know, we've done seven events already in the last two months. Um, you know, we're pretty busy. We have an event Wednesday in Boston with some of the you know top companies in, in Boston coming to the event. Um, and then also I have a little side gig with affiliate marketing, which we'll discuss in a little bit. Um, but yeah, so once this, you know, when this all started, I was kind of going, you know, under like a personal enlightenment, I would say. Um, so, you know, I have a really strong morning routine. Like I wake up every morning, I do a 10 minute meditation. Um, I really like the waking up app by Sam Harris. Um, so, you know, basically every single day it's a new meditation. So, you know, I do that, um, before I check any emails or anything, I'll do that. I'll make a gratitude list and I'll either go for a walk or do some pushups. Um, for me, it's very easy for me to get inside my head. So it's good for me to like get into my body and it's, you know, it's crazy how little things like that could just really help your mindset. Um, so, you know, I was doing this every day. Um, I was staying really organized with like to-do lists. Um, but at the same time, you know, with to-do lists, you know, I, you got to be careful because sometimes I would waste my time on things that weren't really bringing home the money. So sure. from nine to five, I think it's really important to focus on the one thing that's going to, you know, get you business and make you money. And for us, that sales, um, you know, it's very easy to, you know, want to, you know, add a story to your Instagram or do stuff like that, you know, and that stuff's all good. But at the same time, um, you got to just, you know, manage your time effectively. Um, so, I mean, here's the website that we have in front of us, hiredvirtual.com. Um, yep. You know, so it's it's pretty straightforward business. Um, there's a lot of relationships we've built over the years with recruiters in each city. And, um, you know, when you talk to companies, everybody's using LinkedIn to find candidates. So we had to kind of go outside the box and think, you know, how can we attract these candidates they haven't interviewed with yet? Um, so, you know, we, we found some resources. We have some awesome recruiters in each city. Um, and we try and, you know, for these virtual events, we try and make sure that each company has 30 candidates, you know, that they're meeting with on their schedule. Um, so, you know, we're always improving. I think our website's pretty good, but, um, you know, still trying to find some, you know, copywriter. But, yeah, here's what's important. So here's our event page. Um, so this is actually our private event page. Um, we also offer private events for companies if they want our software to be completely branded for them. Um and they let us know their positions and we just literally spend, you know, a couple of weeks just finding candidates 
um, for this company specifically. So a lot of companies right now, they can't interview in person. So this is a great solution for them. Um, but I guess the big lesson here is, uh, you know, it's, I, you know, if you have an idea, you see an opening in a market, I think it's, um, you know, always worth the risk to try and do your own thing. Um, you know, we have competition in our industry, so it's, there's definitely other companies doing similar things as to what we're doing. Um, but I would just, you know, think about what you're interested in or, or what industry you're working in and just, you know, really try and think about, you know, how can I innovate this industry? Um, you know, kind of like, you know, I can relate this to like back in the day, you know, anytime you wanted to book a flight, you had to speak to your travel agent. And then, you know, all the orbits of the world came out, um, you know, Expedia, Travelocity. So I'm always kind of thinking that way, like, what's the future going to look like, you know, in 30 years, like, you know, there's going to be an idea developed in the next two years, that's going to be huge in 10 years, and we just don't know what that is yet. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, I'm always kind of thinking with that mentality. Um, you know, also, you know, so these last four or five months, so I was living in New York, I actually when this whole thing happened, I came out to California, rented my own um, house in Los Angeles. I got a lot of family here and, um, you know, really enjoying the weather. Um, you know, every day I'm up super early cause I'm, I'm used to the East coast time. So I'll usually start working at like 7.00 AM. Um, you know, at around lunchtime, I go on the same hike every single day religiously. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just learning if I'm like really taking care of myself and how I feel and having faith. Um, and then you combine that with actual, you know, execution and hard work. Um, you can literally have whatever you set your mind to, um, you know, and it's really crazy how that happens. So I kind of want to tie this into the whole, you know, email affiliate marketing. <laughs> um, so sorry if I'm all over the place, but um, no, you're doing just fine. Awesome. Yeah. So three and a half years ago, I had a family friend who was probably making, you know, upwards of $50,000 a month, um, you know, with email marketing. Um, and he kind of showed me the ropes of, of how it works. Um, and there's a lot of different, like, you know, nuances and tricks and, and stuff. You know, there's also so many different types of email marketing. Um, but basically he showed me ways to, you know, build up your Twitter or how to, you know, find emails online. So he basically had access to a lot of emails. Um, but, um, you know, I had to figure out a way to get them opted in cause I'm not just going to send them offers right away. So mm -hmm you know, I decided to just build my list organically. So I was, um, you know, using Twitter, I was playing around with Google ads and I was just, you know, every single day I was probably only getting like 20 or 30 new emails, but eventually that turned into like a hundred new emails a day. Um, was able to turn my whole list into around 200,000 emails in, you know, in like 90 days, Wow, um, which is pretty, yeah, it's pretty impressive. So we were um, using, you know, some of the popular ESPs and we were just, you know, some of the big affiliate networks out there like ClickBank. We were just sending them, um, you know, they were opted in for, you know, hearing about offers in the whole like productivity, um, you know, genre. So they were interested in those types of products. Um, so, you know, there's websites like ClickBank and, and other big um, affiliate networks out there that have a whole catalog of offers that you can use. Um, you know, they have the links and, and the creatives that you put directly in your email. And, um, you know, and then you could see how much money you're making on each email. So it, um, there was like a year stretch where we were doing really, really well, like, um, making good money every single day, but kind of overnight that whole business changed a lot of the ESPs, like the constant contacts of the world. They didn't want us, um, even though everyone was opted in and, you know, we had low spam rates, they were trying to stay away from affiliate marketers at the time. Um, so I was testing out all these new ESPs and it just kind of got, you know, too difficult. So put that on pause, which was a big punch in the gut because it was bringing in a lot of money. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to now. So, you know, these last four or five months, I've just, you know, I'm actually reading a book called Think and Grow Rich, um, which I would highly recommend. It's all about getting your mind right and just, you know, showing you that you're the master of your own universe. So, um, you know, I, I said to myself, I want to get back into the email marketing game. Um, and, you know, there's, so I basically tested out some ESPs, did some more research, made my, you know, my operations more legitimate. And, um, you know, it's still not, it's probably only making a fraction of what I used to do, but, um, you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so, 
yeah, I mean, I got two, two good gigs going on right now. Um, but the lesson I kind of wanted to, you know, portray to, you know, a lot of other people out there is, uh, you know, you can literally, you know, have the exact life you want. Um, you know, don't feel like you need to, you know, answer to your parents or to your, you know, your friends or anyone else. Um, you know, just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, you know, in the past I've dealt with, you know, you know, too much partying and, and not taking care of myself. And I really saw like how that affected my life. And when I started to fix my within, like everything on the outside just magically gets better. And it's just, you know, I just keep on rolling with it. Um, so I hope that I was able to inspire some people today to like, you know, go and try your own thing. I mean, when I discuss the email marketing, it sounds all rosy and easy right away, but there's so many nuances and, and little things, but you know, you'll catch on, you'll learn, you just gotta, the only way you, you test it is by, by doing it. So, um, you know, happy to answer any questions that, uh, you know, my fellow podcast hosts have for me and, um, yeah. Well, well, that's, that's pretty incredible. I'm, yeah, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by, um, kind of the methodology that, uh, you know, when the Rona hit, uh, having to kind of reinvent your business because, I've been in, I've, you know, uh, one of my gigs is I'm a comic book illustrator and uh, I tour and do all these comic book conventions all over the country. So those have all completely dried up and gone away. And one of the things I've seen in my industry is people keep, keep trying to come up with the idea of the online comic con and they've all been colossal failures for the most part. Like the, the, the bread and butter of these shows uh, is the, uh, the 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 vendors and the artists who basically end up paying for most of the bill for renting the hall and bringing in the guests and stuff, and then you have the crowds of people who come yeah. in for the celebrity autographs and if they got any money left over, you hope that they spend it with you. The people who are getting shut out the most of these are people like myself as an artist and then vendors who sell toys and bric-a-brac and stuff because there's really no there hasn't been a really good solution yet to create the online Comic-Con experience. And it's really encouraging, uh, you know, and just want to ask you a little bit about your methodology of like how you, um, how you saw to adapt what you were doing, putting on these shows to a, a completely digital experience. So if you could yeah, elaborate yeah. a little bit on that, would be great. Exactly. I mean, so first off, um, you know, the biggest benefit in not having to do in-person events is not having to pay, you know, for venues and catering and, and all that stuff. Um, so obviously when this first happened, I thought it was going to pass in like a month or two, the whole coronavirus thing. Um, you know, if you would have told me back in March that, you know, you'd be in California in August and it would be literally no better than it was four months ago, I would have said like, no way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, when this first happened, like, um, I feel like the only other choice was to go virtual. But in my mind, I always love the in-person events because I feel like there's nothing like meeting someone face to face and, you know, it's just easy to like capture a first impression. Um, but, um, you know, I did some research. I, uh, you know, I figured out that there are, you know, there, there's probably a few other companies out there doing that ha like advertise virtual career fairs, but their software is like crazy expensive. Um, and it has all these bells and whistles, but we really wanted something that was just like simple and efficient. Like our goal is just to connect, you know, recruiters and hiring managers with candidates. Um, so we don't need like this software that looks like you're actually like in a career fair walking around <laughs> table to table. Um, so we basically found a way to, you know, we thought to ourselves, I say we, it's just, you know, me and one other partner, but basically, um, you know, we were able to use, um, kind of integrate our software with Zoom because all we want is these, like I said, these people to connect with each other. Um, cool. We thought about just doing like, you know, phone calls, but the video calls, you could actually see the person. Um, so our interviews are 10 minutes long. Um, you know, companies are able to add. So each event is from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So, you know, companies can add break times, you know, every hour if, you know, and then candidates will literally just select open slots with them. So, um, the first event was, you know, we only had seven companies, but it actually worked really well. And we were actually like one of our problems with the in-person events are, um, you know, a lot of these top technologists, they're not going to in-person career fairs because they're either employed or they just, you know, they think in their heads like career fairs are more for students and alumni. Mm -hmm. um, but with these online events, especially right now, a lot of people have been furloughed. 
Um, you know, even if a senior candidate's working, you know, why not just do a 10 minute interview with a company and see what's out there. So we're actually able to get better candidates. Um, so yeah, like when this whole, you know, coronavirus first happened, I thought my business was done. Um, you know, myself at the time, I had a lot of like, you know, finances I was trying to take care of. Um, but I'm happy, you know, we use this time wisely. And I think the number one reason why we were able to be successful is because I, uh, you know, I use this time to even buckle down even harder, like look within more, um, you know, tailor my routine and, uh, you know, just, uh, basically have faith and, and be positive. And, um, it's just crazy what happens when you just, you know, do the work and you, you know, believe in what you want to, uh, to happen. <laughs> well, amen to that. I uh, know, uh, at least for myself, I think Trico, you're kind of the same way. We weren't really thinking about becoming investors, or you know, I would I would have never have thought that I'd be stacking silver coins like mad back in March, <laughs> uh, or any or anything like that, or, or even getting into the crypto space uh, until this kind of hit, and it was like a it was like a big splash of water in the face. It's like okay, nothing, you know, we we always kind of carry in our back of our minds that nothing's for sure. But then we kind of have this uh, normalcy bias where we kind of think everything's just going to keep going the way it is. And when the apple cart gets upset, like you were saying, you you, you thought, well, in a month or two, it'll be over with. And uh, when when that dynamic does not happen, it'll make or break you mentally. And kudos to you for being pre, pre-prepared to, uh, you know, thinking on your feet and such. I know for myself, it's like I can see the writing on the wall that, you know, none of these conventions are going to go through. And I, and I've I got two more that I signed up for that promise. Hey, if you, you, if we don't, if we get shut down by the state, you get your money back. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll risk it on that. But it's, it's still like, even if we get back to some sort of like normal where we can do live events again, it's not going to be normal. There's going to be, you know, uh, sanitation stations and, you know, you're probably going to always have this six foot thing and the mask thing is always going to be with us. So there's going to be so many drastic changes and that creates an environment for growth that most people are afraid of because they don't see it as an environment of growth. Exactly. Um, like I think this whole thing led to like kind of like a, a paradigm shift, like a lot of businesses are changing, but I think it's the future. And, you know, our, our biggest, you know, I think if you think too much about how much money you're going to make, you lose fact of like trying to provide value for your actual customer. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're, you know, we're always trying to just help these companies hire candidates and, and find good candidates to come to these events. So once I actually like did the work and really thought about these virtual events, um, I saw that we're able to get better candidates and, um, you know, it's just been working really well. Um, you know, we're always focused on, how can we help help these companies and, and provide them value? And if that's what you focus on, you know, if your business is, uh, you know, only going to do well, um, like if you would have, you know, like I was saying before, in the beginning of this quarantine, I was living in New York. Um, you know, I was, the business was good, but it was a little stagnant. And if you would have told me, you know, five months later, you would have pivoted to virtual, um, you'd be living in California in your own place. You'd be, um, you know, the healthiest you've ever been in and, you know, you know, the money would be coming in, I would have said, like, no way. But it just goes to show you that just because there's craziness going on in the world um, doesn't mean that, that you need to go that way. Yeah. Now, a lot of the people that I, uh, I guess you'd call them gurus that I that I learned from on YouTube, a lot of them are saying there's a, there's a huge transfer of wealth coming. And the transfer of wealth isn't kind of like what we would think of. It's, it's more like it's being created from this uh, opportunity in this chaos. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people are, are, are finally making something of themselves because they're taking advantage of the situation and being smart about it. And um, I kind of hope that we're doing this because like with this podcast is like TJ and I, we just we, we, we kind of became friends over buying stocks through Robinhood and talking about it because we don't have anybody in our circle yeah. <laughs> to talk about this with because everybody's kind of the same, you know, blue collar. I have a job. What do, you know, you, that's kind of where it ends. Uh, and, and we're, we're trying to not do that. And so we thought, well, why don't we turn these discussions into a podcast and maybe we can help other people in our, in our situation. So we've been fortunate enough to have a few guests and we're, we're glad to have you because it's a great inspiration for people to, you know, Hey, you know what, if, if you've got the, the, the willingness to do the work, to do the hustle, you can, you can make something out of yourself in almost any environment. Cause this is probably the worst 
environment to try to make yourself into something and, and it's and it's working for lots of people yourself included yeah no exactly and uh you know i think a lot of time people think like they need money in the bank to go and start their own thing or or do their own thing but with the technology today like i get my logo my websites like everything i need done on upwork for very cheap um there's just so many tools you can use online today where it's really not that expensive to start a business and obviously you need to make sure that the money's coming in but um you know you could you know if you really want it that bad you'll be working nights you'll be working weekends and you'll do whatever it takes to you know start your own thing um going back to the whole stocks thing you know i love the idea behind your podcast i like how you know you talk about like certain hustles and businesses but at the same time you're discussing stocks and uh i think right now a lot of people are working at home and they're hearing you know all these people making money on robin hood or the stock market keeps going up um you know i know myself i have a few friends who um you know, they probably only tell me about their winnings, but they definitely do okay, um, you know, whether it's, you know, investing in Bitcoin or stocks or options. So I was kind of looking for a podcast where people like who are actually doing it or discussing like their picks and, you know, what went right or what went wrong. So uh, <laughs> I definitely uh, think that's, you know, a smart idea by you guys and uh, would definitely interest, you know, a lot of my friends. Well, don't tell them to buy genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of been the it's been a running gag but it's been a thorn in our side because that was the uh our debut show we were talking about how much money we'd lost in the genius stock and we kind of um kind of discovered along along the same lines as some other people we kind of all discovered this at the same time with with, with the robin hood platform there's a trend when a stock comes up in the news people see it they get the fomo the fear of missing out that drives the price up even more and people who are buying at that top price end up losing the money because the uh, the realities of the market and uh, the you know the, the realities of the company sink in afterwards, and it goes right back down and, and corrects itself. Exactly, and you you end up uh, losing money like we did on Genius. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys follow Bitcoin at all? <clears throat> yeah, um, I do. I've got um, I don't have a full Bitcoin, but I got uh, quite a bit of a percentage, and so it's it's been fun to. Uh, to watch and speculate it. I got in on it after the big crash uh, when it went from 20 grand to, what was it, down to three or something like that? Yeah. So I, I got I got in on that on a nice dip, but I've been also looking at other cryptos and really trying to learn about that space because it's a, it's internet 3.0. It's the future. D, the, exactly. uh, this whole, this whole uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, de, uh, decentralized. So everything you can think of from finance to social media, there's a there's a decentralized version of that that's block that's backed up by technology on the blockchain, and so you have exactly. all these different cryptocurrencies, all these different tokens, and they represent the algorithm, the mathematical authentication of these technologies. So, like Bitcoin, for example, is basically a store of wealth. It's digital gold. It doesn't really have a function outside of uh, of, of 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 being itself. Whereas something like XRP, which I really hope goes to the moon someday, is I've got a lot of XRP. XRP allows, and <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. Ripple, right? Yeah, that's Ripple. Yeah. Okay. And they, they allow basically banks to talk to each other at instantaneous, like it's instantaneous liquidity from bank to bank, I think is their, is their bread and butter. You know, I remember like three, like, I don't know if it was two or three years ago, but when like Bitcoin was at 20,000, like I was following ripple bitcoin all these altcoins and i was like so into it and then you know life happened i had to focus on some other things and a lot mm -hmm. of the coins went down so most people probably thought it was a fad but the smart money still you know went in low and and now i see bitcoin it's almost i don't know last night i checked it was almost at 12 grand um and then you see everything that's going on in the world right now and how you know governments and, and countries literally you know everyone always thought like oh everything's going to be okay but now you're seeing like you know, anything could happen. So I don't even know if that's the right frame of thinking. But when I see that, I think like Bitcoin, you know, I think yeah. with everything going on that that will help Bitcoin. And I, you know, even though it's it's hot, it's higher than it was a year ago, I still would consider getting in. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know, TJ, I don't think you've got any crypto yet, have you? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of backsliding into, uh, I'm not even a boomer, but I'm kind of <laughs> like sliding into my, my role as a, as a grizzled old man. I got my, uh, 
my diabetic socks and I got a jitterbug <laughs> phone recently and and you uh, you kids in your bitcoins yeah. and your electronic coins and get off my digital lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but, but you see, it's I look at it this whether or not you know, and, and I've I've learned enough about the technology that I know decentralization is the future. All of this tech is we're we're lo we're looking at, you know, imagine you know when you were really young trying to explain to your grandma why she needed an email application on her computer or why she needed a computer in the first place. If you're as, if you're as old as, as TJ and I are, we, we can remember, you know, uh, eight track and, uh, and records. And it's like, I, you know, I remember my father getting angry about if he wants a computer, he can get a job and buy one himself. They're useless, you know? <laughs> yeah. And my, my, my uh, typing teacher saying that computers were a fad and that's why we were learning on typewriters and not keyboards. Like, <laughs> you know, and yeah, I think back to those experiences and it's like, that's where we are with crypto right now is like, this is like the baby steps of what the future is on the internet, uh, digital commerce, everything. It's, it's like, we're, we're right at the precipice of a major leap forward. All it's going to take is adoption. And we're starting to see adoption take place. There was a, uh, I remember following some of the news stories where for the longest time JP Morgan was telling people, no, no, you don't need crypto in your in your portfolio assets or it's not a good investment decision. We're on the they were talking with Coinbase the whole time for a whole year prior, you know, making some moves, looking to make their own digital digital token at some point. And I think Visa was doing the same thing. And it's like, you gotta be an insider on this. You gotta figure out a way to get the inside information because Otherwise, you're going to miss the boat on it. Totally. I saw yesterday that uh, Goldman Sachs came out and they're like suddenly betting big on, on crypto and, and coins. And I think they were like coming up with their own. But when big players like that are getting involved, it kind of tells you all you need to know. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Everybody's going to have their own. And I could definitely see like if we have a we if we have the final dollar crash, uh, a U.S. dollar token that's hopefully backed by gold. At least that's my hope, not backed by you know, Kinsey in debt, that would be a nice change of pace. Or silver. We got a lot of silver. Yeah, well, I mean, it's go <laughs> going back to silver and gold as money, like it's in yeah. the Constitution, that's supposed to be the money supply. But 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 any but the point of point I was trying to make is like everybody everybody's gonna have their own and it's gonna take other types of decentralized networks like XRP, like Chainlink for all of these different coins to talk to each other, and that's where the real money's going to be. Yeah, exactly. And uh yeah, that's a, and that's why I like Bitcoin because obviously it's nice to pay attention to all the other ones, but I feel like in general, if if the other ones like the ripples of the world are doing well, I feel like Bitcoin's the like official like store of the value of, of the whole crypto industry. I may be yeah. wrong, but you know, no, I would agree with that. It's 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 the equivalent of gold in the digital space. Yep. It's a, it's a, it's one of those, and then and like some of the people that I that I that I listen to, like Mark Moss, for example. Uh, he pushes gold, silver, Bitcoin, but he also pushes, you know, talks, he knows a great deal about stocks and investing. And basically his, his whole theme of, of wealth management is that you have some of your money in crypto, some of your money in, in gold, some of your money in stocks, some of your money in like cash and bonds. And then as you see the economy or inflationary rates rise and fall, you kind of shuffle your funds into the right ones and you can keep making money in any market situation. Yeah, exactly. Just by kind of shuffling things around. So it's, it's good to have a little bit of everything, regardless if you're an old codger like TJ here. Uh, you know, you might want to put at least 500 bucks in Bitcoin just for the hell of it and uh, set it and forget it. And uh, it, it, it may it may save your keep you out of a bread line in the future. Yeah, I, I don't trust any coins I can't put under my mattress. <laughs> See, that was the problem with the Weimar Republic, though, because we, yeah. we were seeing the same thing in pre-1930s pre Germany, the Weimar Republic, where after the stock market crash of 29, they, you know, all, all markets crashed because of that. It was typical around the whole world. Yeah. In the Weimar Republic, they decided to start just printing money and giving money away to get people to go out and spend it to get the economy going. It sounds well, familiar. <laughs> people, people were so scared of another huge crash, they literally stuffed it under their mattresses instead of spending it. And then when the Republic finally fell, 
because their money was worth nothing. That's where that famous photo of a guy with a wheelbarrow going to buy bread. And it was just full of all of this worthless currency. You know, I mean, that's the exact situation that we're doing now. And it's yeah. like, are they going to keep, they, they want to keep inflating it into infinity, but how long can we keep doing that? I mean, Japan has been doing it for a long time. They have a debt-based economy, but Japan is tied to the U.S. dollar. If the U.S. dollar doesn't, if the U.S. dollar fails, everybody else's fiat currency that's been doing it successfully for a while, that's going to fail too. So. Yep. And I literally think like, you know, I want to get in Bitcoin, even if it's only 500 bucks, because if it does you know, go to the moon, like they say, or it does become the, the coin of the future, that 500 will turn into a crap load of money. And it's yeah. not worth a chance. It's like, you know, it's like getting in at Amazon when it first started, but could be even better. <laughs> oh, I know. I remember being back in college and like, oh, what is this Amazon thing? Oh, I can get a textbook cheap. That's great. <laughs> and, it, you know, and my, di my mental dichotomy had never, had not changed to buying stocks. You could have got it for $19 a share <laughs> back then. Yeah. Oh, and I have a question for you guys. So, mm -hmm. so like, just from my point of view, like, you know, and my friends, like, I think the options appeals to it's not really probably a smart way to invest, but it appeals to people because you can invest two, three hundred. And if you get lucky and it shoots up, you could obviously there's a big upside. There's also huge risk. But in terms of like, what would you say to people who don't have I feel like the stock market, you kind of need a lot of money if you're going to invest in a stock. Otherwise, if you have like you know, in between $500 and $3,000 to play with and you're investing in it, you know, in terms of short-term gains, you're not really going to see anything. Maybe long-term you would. Do you kind of understand where I'm going? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's basically, there's a, there's a few different ways to play the market and most people play the market that are really in the market all, all different ways. Uh, TJ is a big dividend investor and there's even a strategy around dividends. I don't know if you've read that ebook yet that I bought for us, but, uh, of, of basically leveraging stocks that you're holding as dividends once you have 100 shares then you can you can sell you can sell calls and puts using your 100 shares basically as collateral and make money on top of your dividend stocks and keeping your stocks to say I got to read it again to make sure I'm getting it understanding correctly but that's a strategy there that's a safer option strategy than going in and just and just buying uh, buying the calls or, or puts yeah. based on based on what the stock is doing because you know and for those for for people who are who are lower in you know retail investors if you buy a call or a put you're on the hook for 100 shares minimum mm -hmm. you know for every call and put so it may you may spend 30 cents on the call and but you've got that 30 cents a share you know cost on top of now you got to put you now you're in for 100 shares uh, back and forth. So if you can do it with stuff that you already own, I think that's a safer strategy to 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 get into. And then you get it. Then you can get into the point where you can do the options and calls based on uh, you can you can play options without having that stuff to back it yeah. up. Makes sense. So, yeah, and for me, it's like one of the reasons why I got into Weeble because uh, uh, I feel like Robinhood is a great place to get started. And for the most part, the stocks that I've purchased. Are things like mining stocks, and then big chip stocks like something like Nvidia, for example, and it's a it's a good place to just park some money and let it grow. Better interest rates than the bank, because I mean, if you look historically at the stock market, it's of what an eight percent return per year if you average it out. Something somewhere around that. My J.P. Morgan Chase bank account is 0.01 percent interest. I'm not putting any <laughs> money in that ever again. You know. I'll put, I'll keep like 200 bucks in there just in case we have an overdraft weekend. Cause we don't, cause I don't juggle the right, you know, money or whatever. But, uh, <clears throat> but for them, for the most part, it's like, I know that's not a place to put money for it to grow. Yeah. Whereas if I put that money in something like Apple, for example, uh, you know, any of the FANG stocks that make up the S and P 500, you know, you're, you're looking at an average of 20% on your money there. So it's just a, for, for, for me, Retail investing is a good place to put my money for it to grow and then take it out. If, like one of the big things I'm saving for is taking my wife to Japan for our 20th wedding anniversary. And I want to do that without it's ta without taking anything from our monthly budget. So part of my monthly budget is funding my various accounts and letting those things grow faster than if I was to just put money in a savings account 
Because I know myself, if it was just easy to get out of a savings account, I'd probably go spend it somewhere. Oh, I can pay it back later, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and those are a lot of the mindsets that it's, it's really difficult to to break when you're coming out of that kind of blue collar lifestyle where you're not even thinking about investments or your future or retirement or any of those things. I mean, I don't think, you know, I've, I've never thought about retirement. And I think it's, uh, I think, you know, the idea of getting a job and saving using like the 401k from that job to save for retirement, that's outdated. You know, that's, there's no way at, at 42, I'd be able to do something like that and have a retirement. So I have to invest in myself and I've got to, you know, take it upon myself to get an education and what money is, what the difference between money and currency, what assets are, how to invest in them, how to grow. And that's the only way I'm going to be able to have a retirement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm happy I'm here because the money I do have, uh, you know, and I feel like there's probably a lot of people who are listening are the same, you know, I do keep it in a savings or checkings. Um, not because I'm risk averse, but maybe it is because I'm risk averse, but um yeah i mean like for me i see the stocks now and i think like wow everything's like pretty high and you look at the economy and what's going on and you're like you know i don't want to i feel like i'm buying it like to the up peak even though <laughs> you know I, I guess blue chip stocks are like a safe bet but i want to find you know i want to find somewhere to like put my money in and let it grow um and i just like don't even know where to start <laughs> yeah well you, you definitely they always say to diversify and i think diversifying between four types of different assets, you know, have some money in cash, you know, cash is a good place, you know, to put some of your money, but don't put all your money in cash. Yeah. And if you have your bank, all your money in the bank account, you basically all your money's in cash. So if you yeah. park a little bit of it in, you know, cryptocurrency, you park a little bit of it in stocks, you can do uh, like my, my portfolio, like I said, is mining stocks and then larger blue chip companies. And I'm a big, I have a thing for EV. So I've got Nikola. I don't have any Tesla, but I got Nikola. Um, I got this uh, little ag stock where they make drones for monitoring fields and stuff. And supposedly they're going to have an Amazon gig making drones for them. So I bought heavy into those. Uh, looking at, again, trying to be future thinking, because no matter what happens, if there's a crash, EV is still the future. I mean, that's the way all uh, commerce and governments are, are pushing their technologies is to more batteries battery EV technology, fuel cell for Nikola, alternative energies. I mean, that's still going to be, that's, that is going to be the future no matter if you like it or not. So investing in companies that are going to be like the next Amazon, for example, in 10 years or five years when EV is the norm, that's what I'm looking at now in one aspect of my portfolio. Yeah. The other with the mining stocks, buying physical gold and silver is great and I love it, but buying the mining stocks the trick with mining stocks is once they once they have a, a a verified find, you can triple your investment because the the value of that mining company is not just what they're pulling out of the ground, but what's still under the ground that they verified. So, you know, I'll buy Great Panther Mining at eighty cents a share all day long, because some of the DD that I've been doing on them, they have some verified you know, cobalt mines and silver mines that they haven't got anything out of the ground yet. And they haven't really um, gone full public with some of their fines and they've had past success. So I think that's a bet worth making. So I'll put, you know, two or $300 into an 80 cent stock. And, you know, that's just, and that's just one example because there's lots of different mining stocks. So that's kind of my strategy. I, you know, again, I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, neither is, neither is Trico. Uh, I'm working on getting a financial advisor for an upcoming episode, so that'll be interesting. But, you know, I guess the onerous is do what we've been doing, what we've been talking to you about, what our guest has been talking to you about. Get your mind in a good headspace. Uh, have, a, have a mindset to growth and just start educating, getting an education yourself. Nobody's going to teach you how to do this. You're not going to. We didn't learn this stuff in high school for a reason because they don't want a whole bunch of millionaire entrepreneurs running around the country, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so get the education yourself and, you know, take experiences like what Jesse's shared with us here to bet on yourself. Uh, that's, I guess that's what I would say. Yeah, no, totally. I definitely enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, for me, I'm learning that I just need to, you know, just plant seeds of positivity and growth into my like subconscious and just, 
just keep rolling with that, keep learning. And um, most importantly, like they say, knowledge is power, but I don't believe that. I think like knowledge with applied action is power. So it's all about actually executing. Yeah, yeah. you can know you can know everything and do nothing and it's not going to help you one bit. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, no, I mean, some of the, you know, people who have the best, went to the best schools, I know they're not necessarily, you know, street smart, like they may be smart in one subject, but what are they doing with that? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's never too late to learn. Yeah. Jesse, uh, if people want to follow you online, where can they find you? Perfect. So you could um, find me at my, uh, let me just pull up. I actually started like a new Twitter that I'm going to be posting all this positive mind stuff to. Um, it is soulfaith72, S-O-U-L, faith72. All right. Great. Make sure and give him a follow on Twitter there, soulfaith72. And uh, if, you know, if, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you need to do some hiring, check out Hired Virtual here. We guys still have the website up on the, on yeah, the, we'll uh, putting up some new cities uh, tomorrow also. Nice. So appreciate the, uh, the mention. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's a great service and you got my mind turning because there's got to be a way to solve the problem of online comic cons. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, think about something that you do, like for example, you, you're into that stuff. So there's definitely, um, something there <laughs> yeah absolutely uh trico you have anything else before we close out no uh that's pretty much it uh part of me you know today was a good day on the market a lot of the stuff was in the green a lot of the stuff was up uh part of me kind of hopes it dips a little bit so i can buy something on the cheap but uh in the meantime i don't mind my uh portfolio looking pretty good <laughs> <laughs> hey i hear that all right jesse we'll keep in touch uh, on on twitter and uh um, look for some more exciting things and some inspirational tweets from you. That'd be great. I'll definitely reshare those through the Broke Money at Broke Money on Twitter, Broke Money Hustle on Instagram. Of course, we're on uh, we're live right now on YouTube. We want to thank all of our partners in the uh, internet radio space, IndieVolt, which broadcasts us on Thursdays to thousands of you wonderful people out there in various countries across the globe. We thank you for listening and checking in with us. And uh, Please, uh, as always, uh, you know, you can send questions to us through our various uh, social media DMs uh, through Twitter at Broke Money or Instagram, Broke Money Hustle. And we try to tweet out and, and do uh, IG posts for defining terms and other things like that and try to share posts with uh, economic news. So uh, and, we, and we try to make it accessible for everybody. So you don't need to go to college to learn to do this stuff. You just got to be willing to learn. And we will see you on the next episode of Broke Money Hustle. This is Broke Money Hustle. And now here's Broke Money Hustle with Trackle and